Hey there, I'm Stephanie Shaw. Welcome to the Hello Hot Flash podcast, where midlife women can learn from guest experts and authors who discuss menopause and all that comes with this new chapter in our lives. Hello Hot Flash, where we learn to control the change and not let the change control us. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hello Hot Flash, where we teach you how to control the midlife change. I'm excited to be here with my guest today, Clarissa. Clarissa, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, Stephanie, thank you so much. It's so lovely to see you again. It's ages since we talked. So. I know, I know. It has been so long. I, Clarissa was gracious enough to allow me to be on her podcast and now that I'm in the work and I've started connecting with other people, I see Clarissa, Clarissa, Clarissa everywhere. And I'm like, I have to get her on so she can give this great, great information to my audience. So thank you for being here. Our guest today, as I mentioned, is Clarissa um, Chris Jansen. Clarissa is a recognized menopause holistic health expert who helps women be empowered to ride the ways of this transition with confidence and compassion and don't we all need compassion for ourselves yeah definitely especially at this time when it's so easy to beat yourself up I totally agree with that Clarissa get us started by sharing your personal experience with menopause and then telling the audience a little bit about yourself yeah thank you so much Stephanie well you know I am it is 20 years ago since I went into perimenopause not that I knew what perimenopause was then No one was talking about it. But, you know, I had a lot of anxiety and a lot of that had been part of my history as a child. I thought I had managed it. And then, hello, hormonal change, and back it came. And that was really, for me, the most challenging aspect of my menopause symptoms. I also had a lot of classic symptoms, heart flashes, bad sleep, weight gain out of nowhere, and wondering what is going on, you know. And it was really, for me, a journey of not much support in those days from my healthcare provider. They just gave me blood pressure medication and kind of sent me away. That was it. I was lucky I didn't get antidepressants because I never went to discuss my mental health with them. I didn't want them (laughs) drugging me like that. And I ended up at an acupuncturist's. Mm. I actually had a fall and I hurt my arm. And I didn't go there for perimenopausal symptoms, but he turned my life around. He and then introduced me to meditations or reintroduced me, should I say, to meditation. And I started practice and practice mindfulness. I changed my diet And I really felt so much better. And then he gave me an extra gift. He started to send me to Qigong class. He said, you're going to train under Dr. Um, Simon Blow because he will really improve your whole health. And it did. And it set me on a path to first become a mindfulness practitioner, then a menopause holistic health coach, because through my mindfulness work, I was meeting so many midlife women who were struggling with exactly what I'd been struggling. And and then I became a Qigong practitioner. And that is the main 
modality I work with in Chinese medicine, along with Chinese nutritional therapy. But of course, it's much bigger than movement, but we'll get there <laughs> later. And now I work with menopausal, perimenopausal women who are looking for that extra support or who don't want to go down a classic hormonal route. We were talking a little bit before we got started about uh, some of my experience as well. And you've heard my story. And for those who are new to the podcast, I went to 18 different doctors, two world-renowned medical facilities, traveled across states just to try to find some relief. And when I start looking more at the Eastern way of handling my perimenopausal symptoms, that's when the break started to happen for me. So acupuncture was huge in um, helping me move forward and so forth. So I, I'm a living witness that this does work. So I wanted you to talk to the audience or give them an overview of what we're talking about, Chinese medicine and how the approach to menopause may be different than Western medicine. Yeah. I mean, Chinese medicine really consists of four key pillars. So people in the West are super familiar with acupuncture. Right. And, and sometimes I think we think, oh, that's Chinese medicine, but it's only one of the four recognized modalities, if we like to say that, although it's become popularized. The other three are Chinese herbal medicine, which is huge. I mean, it's vast. It takes somewhere in the region of about eight to 10 years to become a qualified Chinese herbalist, the Materia Medica, which is like the handbook of plants and herbs, is like 10 times, 100 times bigger than a Western herbalist. It's complicated. And whereas in the West, herbalists use like one herb, in Chinese medicine, they use blends of herbs that work together that help manage side effects. It's very complicated, but very powerful. And I think often a very key pillar of how people are managing all kinds of health and, and illness in China. Mm -hmm. The other two pillars that are even less known is a massage technique called Tui Na. And it is, it, it probably have never heard of it. Oh, no. it. It's not soothing. Let's put it like that. What's it called <laughs> you know, again? Tui Na. T-U-I-N-A. Tui Na. Okay. And basically it's, it's moving energy by pressing and pulling and stretching your patient. It's oh, very wow. strong, but very effective. And then the fourth pillar is medical Qigong, which is a whole system of movement, breathwork, meditation and practices, which is my modality. And then underneath that, there is Chinese food therapy, which I work with. There are acupressure techniques. There are, you know, living seasonally and in harmony with nature sort of encompasses all of it. So Chinese medicine is really deep and vast and it's an individual medical approach so there isn't you can't say you do this to treat menopause right. but we say that you're an individual you have your own unique essence your your dna that you're born with and you have your own constitution which says that you're a certain type of person and then you have your balances and imbalances what we spend a lot of time correcting right but if we were to say about menopause, mm -hmm. we would say that as we age, our essence is obviously disappearing. 
you know, because we're getting older and that's happening. And there's quite a shift in the menopause years that we notice that aging may accelerate. And that will cause imbalances in the body. So we will tend to lose what's known as yin energy. And yin energy, if we think of yin, it's connected to the earth. It's cool, moisturizing, calm and balance. And we end up being kind of the opposite. <laughs> yin yang. <laughs> like a yin yang. So that often people have then an excess of yang, okay. which when we live in a very yang world we live in a world that's very outward focused very noisy not very restful we tend to have yang excess anyway so mm. you will then become the opposite we tend to be dry hot moody and irritable mm. difficulty sleeping so that is kind of the base there are though i would say some people who can be yang deficient as well so you can imagine being hot and dry and difficulty but you're also your mood is really depressed so it is possible for that to happen but the common is yin is depleted yang is in excess we also can have energy chi that is stuck in the body that comes from our lifestyle from our diet we can end up with this what's called a stagnation and when that happens a lot of the time, it means we show up with waking up at one in between one and three in the morning. We can have digestive issues. We can definitely be kind of angry and frustrated and resentful. That's typical of a cheese stagnation for, for many people in the body, particularly what we call a liver cheese stagnation. And I see that a lot in, in my clients that there's this stuckness and we're thinking, uh, I don't know which way to move. So that's how Chinese medicine sees perimenopause and menopause. So the symptom outwardly can look very diff, look very similar to the West is a similar kind of message, but the root cause can be different. So they're not really talking about it's just hormones. It's also connected to our emotions, to how society treats women and to how we behave. So if we are over busy, overthinking we have an inconsistent good diet now it's diet that's supportive for balance and the lifestyle as well then we are going to have those symptoms dial up obviously if we add things like alcohol and caffeine into the mix that's going to make things worse worse generally because they are seen as having hot dry properties so if you imagine you're already there Right. And you're adding that in. It doesn't make it better. <laughs> when someone comes to you and they're presenting with hot flashes and sleepless nights and so forth, first of all, can you uh, work with someone um, virtually or do they have to come physically? To no, I can work with people virtually. A lot of what I do is I listen to them. We, we do a lot of looking at the face, believe it or not, your facial diagnosis. I may get person to send me a good picture of them in the light because your face will show a lot. Mm -hmm. I'll get you to stick your tongue out and send me a picture first thing in the morning, mm -hmm. because uh, the tongue is very a good way to look at where the imbalances in the body are. And then it's to listen to the person, mm -hmm. the tone of their voice how they move, what you like, what you don't like, where your stresses are, how your relationships are, because all of those things are the first point of understanding what are the person going through? What is their unique 
situation, constitution, underlying problem. Mm-hmm. Then we can talk about lifestyle and diet after that, you know, but we're trying to get to the person first. I love that. The things that I have learned have helped me stay out of the doctor's office because things like you said, looking at my tongue first thing in the morning, and I believe is digestion in this area. So understanding when there's like a change in my face, because I'm always like, I never looked in the mirror. I don't think until I started going to perimenopause. Like, it is what it is. I might throw on some makeup. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Looking at my tongue. To learn these tools of the trade, for lack of a better word, to learn um, how you can understand what's going on deeper in your body, I think it's so important because there may be people listening now like, oh, that's kooky or that's weird or I'll never do anything like that. The body is designed to help you understand how it can heal. And the body is also designed to heal it. So the information that you're providing is so needed, so needed. I'm so happy that you're sharing this with us. Oh, thank you. And I would also say that, I mean, obviously a person came to me, I take their pulse in a Chinese medicine way. So Mm -hmm. you're not listening to the heartbeat you're trying to feel their energy. Now that sounds really kooky when I tell it. <laughs> it does, but you can often get a sense of whether there's a smooth flow of the energy. You know, there's this sort of steady pulse, or whether it's a little bit spiky or wiry or or, or not very smooth, sort of up and down. And you get a sense then is how is the energy? Because Chinese medicine is all about the smooth flow of qi and blood in the body. So we want that to be moving and not stuck in the body because otherwise you're not nourishing all the vital organs of the body and the other parts of the body. You mentioned the liver, which I think is super important. Every time I would go somewhere, it would all point back to my liver. So there is a TCM chi clock. Am I correct in that? That is absolutely spot on. It's my favorite bit of my patient. My poor clients, they go like, oh no, she's off again. (laughs) But it's so genius because our sleep is connected with our liver. And then you think about as women or anyone waking up between like one and three o'clock in the morning when on that clock, that's when your liver is processing. And I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. I do need to help my liver right now. And these aren't things, we love our Western medicine doctors. If you're having a heart attack, if you're having any type of emergency issue, please go and get it taken care of with your uh, medical practitioner. But when you can do other things to avoid perhaps going in for that heart attack or what have you, that's why we're having this conversation. So talk to us about that TCM clock. I get so excited about that. (laughs) It is so, you can't not talk about it. I mean, it is a beautiful medicine. It's thousands and thousands of years old, but it basically divides the 24 hours of a day into sections of two. Mm -hmm. So every two hours, there's a shift and they are related to the, what is known as the five elements. So The whole of Chinese medicine is born out of people essentially observing nature thousands and thousands of years ago and saying there are five key elements that sort of govern the world and what happens and the seasons and our seasons and our day. And they're wood, fire, water, metal and earth. And so every two hours, there's a shift in the element Mm -hmm. but also the elements connect to different organ systems of the body. 
So we see, for example, as you said, liver and the liver being particularly pertinent in that that nighttime. But when you look at the clock, you can see that lunchtime is fire and the fire relates to the digestive system, the heart and the low, and the digestion. So guess what the recommendation is? It's your biggest meal when your fire is high. You know, we have difficulty with that now because we're working and eating salad at lunchtime, whereas really we should be eating like French and Italian people once <laughs> did. Our biggest meal of the day at lunch mm. is when your digestive fire is at its strongest and we want to have a smaller meal in the evening that's more easily digested. So otherwise, so we don't wake up at one between one and three in the morning when the liver's doing its job because the liver does need to do its detoxification work. But if it's working, trying to get and process your contents of your meals as well and doing its job there, it's too much mm. and you wake up. And so the clock sort of guides you from how you get up in the morning when the mental, the sort of metal elements of the day, which are about focus and mind are strongest, when you should be resting more a little bit in the afternoon. So, you know, if you're at the office, try and do your tough stuff first thing in the morning, according to the clock, and maybe do your admin stuff that nobody likes doing in the afternoon. And then come the evening from about have your last meal between five and seven and then from there, you're winding down. You're starting to bring the system down, preparing for sleep time. Be asleep between 10 and 11 so that you get those hours and start again. So the whole clock is guiding you step by step on a framework, I would say. Not an exact thing, but some framework. And I think now we can look at it in a different kind of context than thousands of years ago and say, well, how much little tweaks and things could I make to live a little bit more aligned to the clock? And when we do that, we actually feel so much better. Initially, it's not easy to do. But if you start very small and just in small increments, it becomes so easy to do. And I looked at a um, chart where there's like a hundred different symptoms that can be perimenopause. And I counted 35 plus that I had. And just by doing exactly what you're talking about now, not taking any drugs, not taking, not even Tylenol or anything like that. I was able to get rid of all of those symptoms by implementing these types of practices. And again, it was not easy at first, but I'm like, I want to feel better. This is exactly why. So I, again, I appreciate this conversation. Are there precautions or any considerations that uh, we should take in, into play when we're talking about Chinese medicine versus maybe a Western medicine? Definitely. I think if you're going to engage in it, I'd say a few things. Firstly, it's not a quick fix. Mm, definitely not. <laughs> and part of the role of the practitioner is not just to fix symptoms, because mm -hmm. that's not the philosophy, but it is to empower you to become well and stay well. Mm -hmm. So if you just go to the practitioner and you think, oh, well, the acupuncturist fixed my symptoms, and he might well do because he might make a real energetic shift in your body. Right. If you don't follow the dietary practices, the lifestyle practices that a good practitioner will give you, you'll be back in his office in six months time saying, I'm not well again. So the, the onus is, is very much on you're empowered, but you need to do the work and it's not quick. 
The second thing is, of course, act with caution around herbs. And I really say that because they are strong and Chinese herbal medicine, I think Western herbal medicine too, is strong. Mm -hmm. So don't buy things and try and do it yourself. I don't give herbal recommendations outside of using herbs as food. And even then I would put precaution around it because you don't know how they're going to interact with you with maybe other medication. If you want to use Chinese herbal medicine, go to a practitioner and ask them to help you. And sometimes that is not your acupuncturist because not all acupuncturists train in herbal medicine. So I would be sure you go to someone who can really give you solid advice. You can use herbs in say a foot bath to get you know calming time for sleep, but that's very different from taking it internally. So I act caution. And if you go into an acupuncturist, make sure that they're registered, make sure that they belong to in in the US, that's the state registered acupuncturist, they're not nationwide. If you're not in, in listening to this, and you're in other countries, make sure that they're accredited by your acupuncture association, and they've had the correct training where I where I live in Sweden to become an acupuncturist, you do three years solid training and you have to do the first year of base med medical, Western medical training as well. And you have to have all of those before you can be registered. And you only have to go to specific schools of, of acupuncture, not just anybody. So that's important because acupuncture is wonderful, fantastic, but make sure that the person you work with is properly qualified. So a lot of, uh, not a lot, in my area, there are some um, physical therapists who are doing dry needling. <laughs> well, for those of you listening, you cannot see Clarissa's face, but I yeah. on the YouTube channel, you will be able to see that. <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, you can or you cannot give your opinion, if you would like, as to uh, dry needling versus acupuncture. Yeah, I mean... It could be helpful for you. My chiropractor does that too. It just don't expect the same results. You know, it could probably help relieve some pain. There's no doubt it's they're working off acupuncture principles. But acupuncture isn't done kind of just in that way. I mean, a lot of the intake is exactly what I talked to you about. You know, all this talking to you and getting to know you. Then when they work, they are being really, really deliberate on where they place those acupuncture needles. You know, there will be real consideration to that. And done well, you may only need a course a few times and it would shift you for months, even years maybe. And they will provide a lot of other support around diet, around lifestyle, other things that you need. So dry needling could help with some pain, but it's not a replacement for acupuncture we're talking about different things. First, I'm like, I'm not doing acupuncture. So I'll try dry needling first. And when I didn't, you know, bleed out, I was, you won't everyone. It was just all in my head at that point. I had, I'd gone to so many doctors. I'm like, oh, this is horrible. I tried it. And then I could tell the difference and I could tell the difference and just the energy. I don't know how else to explain it, but the energy release that I received in acupuncture versus dry needling. So yeah, the first time I did it here, I just felt this 
shooting of of energy when yeah. I, when Bartley did that. That was a long time ago. I was like, "Whoo, what happened here?" But he must have just released a blockage, and I really felt it. But it's afterwards that you feel better, and gradually you feel a bit bit more better, and you regain a sense of, "Oh, this is the person I was. This is the energy that I have." What kind of support do people need to manage? We talked about it a little bit, but any other um, ideas around support that people need to manage their perimenopausal symptoms so it goes more smoothly for them? Rest. Mm. So my biggest message is rest. Mm. In Chinese therapy, they see this as a very long process. Mm-hmm. They talk about it going over, well, they have life cycles that are seven years long and the last three are totally dedicated to preparation perimenopause and recovery (laughs) wow so very long there's a wonderful book called seven times a woman by acupuncturist dr leah andrews she's based in the states and really she talks through a lot of this life transition and one of the primary things is that we need to put in more rest. The mm-hmm. overworking, over busyness really makes it worse. So I'm huge on rest. Mm-hmm. That's one of my big things. I think we also need a diet that's super supportive. That's your area, Stephanie, as well. And we really need to be considering that diet carefully. And then spending as much time in what I call nourishing the yin, this yin energy that is depleted for many of us, getting out into nature, grounding, hydrating, you know, moist, cool, grounded. If we can reflect that in our life, we don't necessarily need to meditate, but try and go somewhere without your phone where there's not lots of traffic and you look shocked (laughs) traffic (laughs) and just be you know we've all got somewhere we can go we know a nice park or a beach or in the woods just be with nature because it's very healing it is my son probably like once every six weeks he and his wife have a rule you know you can go where you need to go i'll go where i need to go and he has a camp that he goes to by himself and you can tell the, I don't know, he just even looks different. It's two days. He's just in the wilderness all by himself. He knows what he's doing and he knows every tree from every tree. He's a landscape architect. But the to see the way that he looks and shows up just after those two days of grounding and relaxing and being alone and being in the nature, being in nature, it's, it's amazing. So you're spot on with both of those recommendations. So I appreciate that. Uh, one last question. Well, I have three more questions, but the other two are quite easy. I want you to talk about what would you tell your younger self if you could give your younger self some advice about perimenopause and menopause? I wish that I had slowed down sooner. (laughs) I really wish I had. I wish that I had had the ability to say no more Mm. because I was always, I said yes to everything. Until I was triple and quadruple booked in my diary and didn't know which way to turn. And, you know, I wish I'd just been able to have stronger boundaries and say, no, I can't do that. Sorry, no, I can't help you. I'd love to come to your thing, but actually I'm already committed. And instead I was constantly overcommitted and overgiving. And I I think having boundaries that are strong but not rigid. Mm Mm-hmm. So in the Qigong, I teach about some boundary practices where we build boundaries 
build them strong, but we then soften so that we're not, I mean, so inflexible. We're like a tree. We can bend, right. but we don't overgive. Love that a lot. Clarissa, what are you reading or listening to right now? Well, I've actually been reading Barbara Walker, The Crone. What a book. You know, the older, wiser woman has been so crushed by patriarchy. Just how everything was all about goddesses and female energy, that completely destroyed it all. And our opportunity to rebuild this, to be to come back to this is so important. I like that. I'm gonna I'll make sure that that and also seven times a woman. Both of those um, go in the show notes so people can find those books. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm so honored that you took the time to talk with us because this is information that we can really truly use to start to heal our body. So I appreciate you. Well, thank you, Stephanie, for having me on the show. I'm so happy we reconnected and did this together. So am I. Clarissa, before we close, tell everyone how they can find you. The easiest way to find me is actually to go to my website, which is my name, clarissachristiansen.com. And you can see my social media, connect to my newsletter, uh, find out how you can work with me and what's happening there. That's the best thing. And obviously tune in to the podcast, Thriving Through Menopause. You can listen to Stephanie's interview. Thank you so much. And again, I'll put all that information in the show notes as well. Clarissa, make it a great day. The same here. Thank you. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to Hello Hot Flash, where we help you control the midlife change. Again, make sure you check out the show notes where we will include links to all of the subjects we covered today. And if you want to discover how to manage your hormones so you can sleep better, have more energy and have less stress, take the quiz on hellohotflash.com. It only takes 90 seconds. Everyone, here's to your health.